Welcome back, everybody, to episode eight of the Back Lounge Podcast. Or is this nine? I think this is nine, actually. Episode nine. I'm losing track of time already, and we haven't even made it through 10 episodes yet. Anyways, I'm Tank. I'm your host, and I'm a roadie with over 15 years of experience in the touring music industry. And on this podcast, we invite artists, band members, other roadies and anybody else in the music industry. And we just sit down and have conversations about whatever comes up. I try and keep this less of an actual interview like you'd see anywhere else and try and just have more conversational stuff, whether it's about touring or business side of things or just anything else, really, because I think that lets you get to see the more human side of some of your favorite bands. So today for our ninth episode, if I got that right, uh, we are going to be joined by the drummer for Scottish metal act Bleed From Within, Ali Richardson. And I was super stoked about this one, man, because to be quite honest, I wasn't really familiar with Bleed From Within until the last couple months or so. But in those couple of months, I've listened to all of their music. I absolutely love it. They have a brand new album coming out very soon, actually. It's coming out June 3rd, 2022. It's called Shrine, and it is their first record being released since signing with Nuclear Blast Records. Now, this conversation was filmed a couple weeks ago. I've had a lot of stuff going on with a lot of other artists and stuff, so it's a little later than normal, but everything in here is still relevant, man. We talked about their upcoming album and what it's like releasing an album with a new label after being with another one for almost a decade. We talked about a lot of music business stuff. We talked about, I mean, his drumming influences, what it's like starting at basically nothing when you first start touring into progressing into nicer things like buses and better venues. And really, he's just a great guy, man. We had a really quick conversation for this podcast They're getting ready to tour. They have a lot going on, and I didn't want to take up a ton of his time. But all that being said, there are multiple ways that you can check this podcast out. The first way, which a lot of people are probably seeing this, is on YouTube, because you get to see the actual video with us having our conversations. You can find me at youtube.com slash tankthetech for all the other podcast episodes I've had, as well as reactions and reviews and a bunch of other stuff, but you can also listen to these episodes on the go on Spotify, Apple, Google, all of that stuff. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, it's available. Now that that's all out of the way, let's just get into the conversation with Allie Richardson. Allie, welcome, dude. How are you doing? Very well, my man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course, man. This is This will be... So be nice. Like it's these podcasts are starting to get fun because I'm starting to like get to know other musicians that I haven't really ever talked to at all. And obviously you and I have, this is our first time meeting as well. This is our our first meeting. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So these are, these are always cool, but uh, how's your day going so far? It's good. It's good. So it was my, it was my birthday a couple of days ago. Oh, Um, happy birthday. Thank Wait. you very much. And I went to see Tool in Manchester on my birthday. So uh, it's been great. Uh, but I had a couple of, I had a friend from Glasgow staying with me. I live in Brighton at the moment on the south coast of the UK. Yeah. And he was down for a week. So it's just been loads of trips to the pubs and bars and seeing friends and family. And uh, yeah, I got back from Manchester last night and yeah, just catching up with, you know, I have a day job. So doing, doing all the work stuff and yeah. Uh, yeah keeping busy keeping busy yeah for sure i know before we started you were saying i feel you man you were saying you're getting a carnet ready for like touring and stuff and i'm just like oh man <laughs> now it's probably a, just the best time to say it is just fuck brexit and what we have to deal with now because of that is is a fucking joke i yeah. guess it's all right to swear on this is that all right just, oh yeah absolutely <laughs> being, being scottish being scottish every second word is usually fuck or shit oh, yeah. or something so I apologize. My mom always says it's a lack of vocabulary that that shows, but you know. Oh, dude, um, no. my my mom's side of my family is uh, predominantly Scottish and Irish, 
And my grandfather, man, when I was a kid, I used to hear him talk and it was just every other word was just fucker shit. I've like, actually just noticed. Are you wearing a Glasgow? I am. I thought hey. it would be appropriate. Yeah. I got a, Pretty, a, a, nice. a clan shirt on. So funny story. I actually, I'm, I'm a big hockey fan. And um, really? when they, when the clan rebranded from Brayhead to Glasgow, um, right. Violent Gentleman Hockey Club, the clothing brand, did all of their branding and merchandise, and I know those guys, so they sent me some of the new shirts, and then like a month later, we actually went over there and did a bunch of shows, and people were like, "Amazing! how, how does an American have <laughs> have a clan shirt? And I was like, I had to explain that to him, but um, yeah, I figured it would be appropriate for today, you know, why not? I like that. A little uh, bit of thought going into this. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I've heard from a lot of friends in the UK, man, especially with touring, all the extra steps they've had to do now. And it's like, oh. it's just, it just seems so unnecessary, you know, and I, the, especially with what the music industry, the creative industry, live music industry had to deal with over the last few years. This is just another thing as it all sort of comes back. Yeah. Um, and it's just an additional cost that, you know, we can afford now, but if we would we'd we'd have to hold off going to europe for a bit if we were back in the formative years um it's just an additional i think it's about 500 pounds or something you're having to pay tax on your merchandise that you're taking into europe and stuff and um yeah it's just it's just a horrible situation it's it's almost like um you know before brexit and all that when you guys came to the states all the hassles you have to go through coming over here it's like you have to do to go to europe now yeah, I've I've never been, but we we compare it to um, when you go into Switzerland when you tour Europe, you have a very strict kind of taxation policy yeah. as you go in. Uh, you don't need the carnet; you tend to need that for the Scandinavian countries. I think it's to do with leaving Schengen or something. That's uh, that's usually where we would have to do that. But now we're getting it as soon as we leave the UK to go into France, which is just abolic. Uh, yeah. Or going to Europe in general, like we're we're doing our first show in Europe. Um, our first show since 2019 is next weekend. Man. And that, that's why we're having to prepare all this stuff really before we fly. That's that's so crazy to think about that because, you know, same with me. Like the last show I, did, I worked was early 2020, you know, before all this pandemic mm. stuff started. But I saw that you guys have a pretty, a pretty solid schedule coming up with, you know, festival season is starting. And then in December, you've got to run a date um, mm. in Europe as well. Um I mean, you guys have just got to be fired up for that, though, to get back out on stage and see friends. and oh, that That's it, man. I think the, the biggest thing for us is, like, playing live is the reason we do this, really. I think that's what it all boils down to for us. We enjoy making music together. We enjoy traveling. Um, You know, I enjoy the business sort of challenges that are they're set up on, like, a managerial side and stuff like that, and it's always fun to push yourself musically. But when it all boils down to it, I think getting on stage and connecting with the audience is the reason that we do this to me. I've, that's the fucking meaning of life really. Yeah. <laughs> it's, th- what we're, it's what we're, it's what we're here to do and to have, um, we've got such a loyal sort of following and, and a following that's just been growing consistently uh, in Europe and to not be able to play there. And by the time we get over there, we pretty much have out two albums that won't have ever seen the light of day over there. Yeah. Um, it's just like a sort of, um, a lot of sort of pent up excitement, uh, really, that I think we're just going to be able to release basically when we go over there. Yeah, because I mean, your last album, I mean, Fracture came out what around this time two years ago, like May 2020, right? And you Good guys memory. have never been able to tour off that. No, we, we did some shows at the end of last year in the UK. And yeah. to be honest, you know, Fracture was um, that album served its purpose in the sense that it kept us focused and relevant throughout the 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 whole lockdown pandemic situation without that album, we would have surely fallen into obscurity or just been lost and mm-hmm. not knowing what to do. You know what I mean? Um, and that gave us purpose and gave us kind of, uh, gave us hope. Yeah, for <laughs> sure, man. And I mean, that was, that, that sounds horrible cheesy. Not, not, no. not that, but you know, you know what I mean? Like that, that kept us focused and that kept us going. And, uh, yeah, fractures fractures served its its purpose in that sense. And then at the end of last year, we got to take it out on on the roads. Uh, we supported Bullet from a Valentine in arenas in the UK. Then we had a headline run. We had a couple of festival appearances as well. Download and Bloodstock. 
and it was just fucking wild to be honest yeah. to see the, the songs that everyone had been sitting with you know sitting and locked in their houses basically uh, yeah. just sitting stewing with these tunes um it was uh, it was great to finally take them to the stage and, and see how they would see how they went down yeah i actually when i um when i first got the offer to do this episode with you because a lot of people a lot of people that watch these think that like we just all know each other and we don't like a lot of this has to go through pr and like we had to move this a couple times and like yeah. nick knock nick nocturnal even on his twitch stream the other day was talking about how when he has guests on how sometimes it's a pain in the ass he goes dude there's some guests i've had on my twitch stream where it's been like an email chain for four months before i can get people on here um so but when i found out i was going to do this with you i actually uh two nights ago i think or three nights ago uh i watched the entire bloodstock performance that's on youtube oh. and i was just like blown away because one I just now that live music and festivals are starting to happen again, it's just so cool to see the environment and the crowds and stuff because mm. you're seeing like two years of pent up energy from the people and the crowds that are just finally able to let loose again. Yeah. And for me personally, in all honesty, like I didn't really discover Bleed from Within until somewhat recently. There's such a separation between the North American markets and the European markets. And working in music, I don't know if you relate to this at all, but. I've been so focused on the bands I've been working for for the past like 10, 15 years that I didn't really go out of my way to discover a lot of new music. I was kind of sticking to the stuff that I already knew, like from when I was a teenager and the stuff that I grew up uh, on. You're, you're, you're preaching to the choir. Okay, yeah. so you yeah, get it. It's, it's Spotify for me, like the release radar has just been a source of, I'd say, majority of my, my music uh, or yeah. newer music that I've found. And then... As a band, we're all very, we get excited about new bands and new things that we hear and be like, oh, holy shit, check this band out. Yeah. Um, like the the band that's opening this European tour at the end of the year uh, called Alt, I think. I think that's yeah, how yeah, yeah. And they are fucking wild. And I didn't even put two and two together, but their drummer is a guy called Adam Bjork, I think is how you pronounce it. And I'd seen somebody shared a video of him ages ago and just been like, Ali, fucking check this guy out. And he was, he's insane. Yeah. Totally wild. And then the other day I was on the page and I was like, this band are great. They've released a new EP thing. So I was listening to it when I was working. And then I saw that guy who I now follow post the video of him playing one of those songs. And I was like, this is this guy. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah in, ter in terms of new music, man, I think Spotify has been a source of that for me. And, and the guys in the band, really, they, they kind of know, we all know what each other likes. And yeah, sometimes it's like, oh, I think this is quite shit, but Ali, you'll really like this kind of thing, you know? Uh, and that's, yeah, that's pretty much how we've, we've done it recently. Yeah. Um, for me, the YouTube thing has been great because, um, you know, a lot of people always think that, or not think, but I get a lot of people that always thank me for doing reactions to a new band that they discovered. And they're like, this is really cool. Thanks. But I'm like, yeah, but you got to keep in mind a lot of the reactions that I do on YouTube are stuff that other people have recommended me. So doing this YouTube channel has allowed me to get out of my comfort zone and discover a lot of new stuff. And it's been just the amount of good bands and killer musicians around the world is just mind-blowing right now. Like there's... there's there's a question. There's a question for you. Is it awkward if you do a review and it's really shit? So you know <laughs> have you had have you had any of them I've, where you just did it and you were like, I don't really I, like it? I've had two videos that I've I've stopped recording in the middle of it and I was like, I'm not doing this. Um one was because of lyrical content it right. was like juvenile 13 year old homophobic slurs and Fuck weird hell. stuff and i'm like yeah i'm not down with that i'm not i'm not comfortable putting this on my channel and the other one was the band was killer but the video was basically a woman getting sexually assaulted the entire video and i'm like mm, can't do this one like i don't feel comfortable doing that but if the music itself is like appropriate in my mind for YouTube, I still put it up. So I've definitely had reactions where I've said like, I've never like shit on a band because music oh, is no, I've music is subjective. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, that's... I've seen other reactors do it. I've seen people on YouTube that are like, "This is fucking terrible," and I'm like, "Here's oh, the thing." Oh man, we I, I honestly I enjoy like YouTube <laughs> YouTube comments 
and reaction videos are just great. And I love like the guys that will just sit and I'm sure there's some bleed from them. And then ones out there where they watch the full thing and then at the end they're like, yeah, it wasn't really a fan of that. And you're like, well, why? 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 <laughs> You know, I mean, I, I I'm think like, I, thanks, thanks for the view, anyway. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, help, help the algorithm, why don't you? Like, I, I don't know, man. I think, I think I have a unique advantage or a, a perspective just because of touring in the music industry for so long. Even if I don't like a, a, a band's music, like if it's something that's just not my thing that I'm not going to listen to again, I can usually find things that I enjoy about it. So, is it a sick music video? Is the production cool? is the actual production of the recording good. So there's been many times where I've listened to something where I'm like, I don't really like this. This isn't my thing, but the mix on it is great. The tones are great. Everything sounds good. It does have elements that I know other people are like. I've had many reactions that I've put up on my channel where I've said, I will probably never listen to this band again. This isn't my thing. Is that, is that, is that how you feel about Bleak from Within? Or is that... Oh, no, I fucking love it. <laughs> like, dude, it was... The first time I listened to you guys was actually on Twitch. Um, so many people for so long had been telling me about your band. And when you don't know anything about a band it's sometimes hard to get super excited about checking out something new when you're already checking out a bunch of new things. Mm -hmm. That's why when, when somebody goes check out this band, I want people to tell me why, like, I mean, you don't have to sell me on it, but like, get me excited to check this out. Like, why do I need to, why should I listen yeah, to this yeah. band? So when we were on Twitch one day, um, every week on Saturdays, I do reactions at the viewers request whatever if they've got the channel points for it like i don't take donations or anything like that i just do it from the channel points on twitch and somebody requested i am damnation and we watched and i think the whole video i was just like stank face like oh <laughs> like super into it and then i did levitate um on the main youtube channel and mm -hmm. then before this podcast releases i'll, I'll probably do it tonight i'm gonna uh, record a reaction to stand down uh, as well but awesome. I've also gone back over the last, I don't know, probably month or two since I heard I Am Damnation and have listened to everything you guys have on Spotify too. Cause like when I get into a band, I go, I just, I go, go all in. Yeah. Right. And, and I, I love it, man. And it, it kind of, it, it was one of those moments for sure where I was like, I, I just, it's so difficult to believe I, I didn't discover this band sooner because the, your sound is right up my alley and you can hear, you can hear the evolution of the music from your older stuff to now. And it's like, I love hearing that growth in bands and stuff. And with the new record coming out, I've already pre-ordered it because one, I like what I've heard, but the album artwork is sick. I got it on a vinyl so I can throw it on my wall and stuff. Man, that's uh, our bass player, Davey P. Shout out to Davey. Uh, he's just an incredible illustrator and artist. Oh, he did he's that? Done the last, he's done the last three albums, yeah. So Shrine, oh. Fracture, and Era were all uh, Davey. Oh, very cool. That's I love that, man. And, you know, I, I just I'm a sucker for album artwork. Like I just the colors pop. It looks awesome. So I got that. And, um, you know, for anybody listening, if you're not aware, that album is releasing on June 3rd. Um, first one with Nuclear Blast, right? As indeed. First yeah. one on the, the new label, the new home. Yeah. How does how does that feel after being with another label for so long? Is it kind of like kind of a breath of fresh air or is it a difficult one 100 you know yeah. that, that's not a slight against century media by any means but we were with them for just over eight years um and you know we were at that point where everything was moving forward with such momentum that it just felt a change was actually going to benefit that uh, especially to have the backing of such a an established not even established renowned label yeah like nuclear blast that just have such a deep understanding of the genre um it was amazing. And their team, I basically just hit it off with their team as soon as we had the first meeting. Um, and it just, to me, it just made sense. So yeah, there was a bit of back and forth negotiating and stuff. And then in the end, it just, everything fell into place nicely. And for this to be our first release, like there's already, I was chatting with somebody the other day and we've got like nearly 5 million streams. It's probably over that now That's on the awesome. album before it's even released. And like, these are numbers that we'd never pulled before. It's such a big jump from the previous release, and it's just it's just great to see. Um, you know, that's support from the fans, but you've also got the support of the label there and making making sure they're putting it in the right places and stuff. So yeah, shout out to Nuclear Blast. Yeah, great. and they're great in terms of you know when I when I first started doing these reactions on YouTube, which was 
never really the thing. It just kind of happened. Like I wanted to do just musical related content and gear talk and tutorial videos on, you know, setting up guitars. Cause you know, I've been a guitar, bass and drum tech uh, pretty much my whole career. And, mm. um, somebody, a friend of mine that I was touring with gave me the idea to do reactions. Cause he's like, it might be kind of cool because a lot of people that do reactions, just they're fans and they listen and then they give their thoughts. But he's like, what if you talked about stuff that you know about and gave a little behind the scenes from touring? And I was like, oh, that's cool. But what I was getting at, sorry for being long-winded, uh, when I first started doing reactions, it was uh, the summer of 2020, not a lot of labels were involved. It seemed like, mm. it seemed like you just filmed a reaction, you put it up, people watched it, like you probably know just as well as anybody else, like there's so many copyright claims and stuff that go into videos. Mm -hmm. I've seen within the last year, a lot of these labels really start to get on board with the idea of using reaction channels as, as marketing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think there's been such a, a shift in the scene in general and this like forced, as I mentioned about Fractured earlier, it forced us and kept us, it kept us focused throughout lockdown, but it forced us to think differently about the way that we connect with our audience, essentially. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We couldn't go out to shows. We couldn't meet people in person. So, you know, we did like a live, a live performance stream, a full production stream event. Um, we were on Instagram Live every weekend. We were doing YouTube sort of takeover things. We don't have a Twitch channel, so yep. we weren't on that. We didn't really have the means or the know-how to, yeah. to get involved with that. And we, we all work full-time jobs, even throughout the pandemic. So it was hard to sort of get those times together. But anyway, I digress. The point was that I think um, the, the pandemic sort of forced people and forced labels and the industry it just adapted. You know, there's mm -hmm. new ways to connect with people now. And I think the reaction videos, they're a massive part of what people do when they when they go online do you know what i mean yeah. i think twitch is now massive as well because of that you, you take musicians ability to play live they've got a computer they've got a mic they you know they've been editing videos or whatever for the last fucking however many years of their career yeah. they're going to find ways to monetize that that skill set um so i thought it was really interesting to see that shift and like I said earlier, I enjoy looking at YouTube comments and stuff and just yeah. getting lost in that. It's something about people on YouTube that just, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's good fun. But it's good to hear that the labels are involved with that now as well. And I think as a marketing platform and uh, the reaction videos and stuff, it's, it's just fun to see. Yeah. And I think people enjoy it, you know. There is, there is, at first it was only a couple labels. And then slowly it's like, there are probably... At this point right now, I think there's a dozen record labels that I have regular email communication with, and they're starting to get to the point, and Nuclear Blast is not just because I'm, they're your label, like they really are one of the best when it comes to, I think they have um, a younger team there that is more, you know, tied in and, and dialed into what's going on online. And I get emails from them at least once a week with not necessarily requests, but just like, hey, here's our list of our videos that are coming out next week, just so you know. And that helps somebody like me a ton because I can be like, oh, sick, this band's putting out something new like next week. I definitely want to check that out. And not only the labels, but the people, the fans online. And some some fan bases are a little more aggressive than others. But, um, you know, it's it's been really cool just to, to see, especially from the old ways of marketing, you know, you had a lot of, a lot of print ads and a lot of stuff like that. And, you know, magazines used to be the go-to when we, you know, you probably first started in bands and I first started touring and stuff, but now it, it seems like YouTube reactions and reviews are becoming almost normalized in the music industry. Yeah, definitely. Um, I would agree. It is, it, it is oversaturated in my opinion. Um, there are just thousands and thousands and thousands of music reactions being cranked out. But I also think that each one of those has the potential of helping a band. If one person hears a band they've never heard from one of those videos and gets into them, that's a new fan. Well, it, was just, it was just the same as when it was print. You know, everyone yeah. was, everyone in the fucking dog wanted to be a music reviewer because you could get into a gig for free or you could get <laughs> yeah. free yeah. and you could hear an album for free and now it's a similar thing but it's just taken to a different platform and you know ultimately it gets it gets bands exposure no matter what level um and you know as the people build up the following uh, you know it's more exposure to the bands and I guess like you said the label there 
you're already you're, you're preaching about um how good nuclear blasts are i think it's important you know, and labels are sort of being demonized for years and, and rightly yep. so some of them you know what i mean assholes yep. but um a team like a label like nuclear blasts are so in touch with a, with a young team people have got you know you, sh- you should be shouting about these things and the labels are adapting and, and they're doing their bit so you know everyone, everyone benefits from a platform like this and uh, the effort that everyone's putting in yeah yeah it's funny that you said uh, all these music reviewers started doing it because they wanted to get into shows for free and stuff like that. It's that so, was the only fucking reason. Dude, come on. It's so funny because, you know, being being a tech on the side of the stage for, for bands, it's like, I see that every night. It's like, whether it's a music reviewer or a radio station person or somebody like that, they got press passes to the show and then they want to stand on the side of the stage during the show. And I always tell my friends, I was like, you will never see me stand side stage for two reasons. One, I don't want to be in the way. And two, it sounds like shit. If you want to watch a good show, go stand as close to the audio console at front house as you can. It's honestly, it's a fucking joke. The worst place in the world. I'm sure. And I imagine in America, I imagine it's LA and New York are probably the same as London. yeah, Yeah. So, you know, when you, before you even arrive at London, your press team are like, look, Ali, really sorry, but, fucking here's the guest list and you're like well for a start i don't know who that is and that's just you know you basically go through them now and it's like that's a shit review that's a shit place like you just have to cut things off we've got friends and family we want to bring down and i'm not you know you're not giving it away to fucking joe blogs at i don't know smashed skull radio or something (laughs) yeah like i'm sorry if that is a radio station after Jeff, you know, fucking Smash Girl Radio, but uh, all these kind of things, and it's, I see it as that for the most part. It's just like, yeah, um, you maybe sometimes you meet them at the show, but everyone like, oh, I'm reviewing the show for, you know, this thing, and I'm like, really, and you're on our guest list, and you've taken that space, and yeah, we we just got more ruthless with it as we got older, really, and we were like, yeah. we want friends and we want family. Um, if somebody from the bigger press is coming along, that's fine. We'll always give opportunities to smaller press if it's there, but everyone's in it for that bit but yeah. exclusivity like free and, music free and, gig. And, yeah and bands are in a weird spot because from from what i've seen as somebody that works for bands is it depends on the genre of music but a lot of times the bands are almost forced into this position where they have to appease to those those press people and then you're afraid yeah. of pissing people off and you know i i, I worked for I've worked for a lot of different genres of music. And for the last five years, I worked for a country artist in Nashville as a guitar tech and radio runs everything for country music. Mm -hmm. And I've literally been told verbatim by like people that work there with the artist I worked for, like, Hey, there's a bunch of radio people on the show tonight. I don't care if somebody takes a shit in your guitar work box. They can do whatever they want because they're from this radio station. They control what gets played. And these radio people know it. So when they come to shows, they act like idiots and they don't expect that any of us are going to tell them off because they know that they're in a position of power over some of these things. That that happens everywhere, every genre, every job, every thing. There's always people at the top who you're told you should respect and allow them to do whatever and don't say anything. But, you know, I think you, when you start giving up like that level of control, lose a bit of integrity or whatever, just, mm-hmm. you know, you do you, put the blinkers on and try not to concern yourself with these fucking muppets at the top, you know? Mm-hmm. And if you start chasing that, then I think that's when you start to lose sight of of why you're doing it and what's important to you and what your values are. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah, and it's and it's and it puts us in a weird position too because my my mindset as, as a roadie for bands is... I need to do everything possible to make sure that like you, the artist can put on a good show and not have to worry about anything. And if I have 30 people standing two feet away from me, in my guitar world, that at some point is probably going to hinder my job performance, whether I need to run out and do something like people are in the way, you know? Yeah. I think that's insane. You should always be crew should always have that power mm-hmm. to be like, can you move, you know, yeah. fuck off. <laughs> Get yeah. out of the way. Oh dude. I've, <laughs> I've done that before and I've literally had like radio or magazine people be like, do you have any idea who I am? I was like, don't, I don't, don't give a that shit line. right now. <laughs> don't say that line. If you have to ask that thing, then clearly, no, I do not know yeah. who the fuck you are. Yeah. So shift. Yeah. We, uh, I've, I've had that happen overseas too. Like, um, when, uh, when I was working for that country artist every year they did, I think it's called country to country. 
but all the U.S. country bands come over to the U.K. for like a week or two, and we do, you know, all the majors like Dublin, London, Glasgow, all that stuff. And you, you see it there too, where the where some of the radio people and some of the uh, people that are in in power over there throw their weight around, and it's like, dude, I've never met you before. Yeah. <laughs> How are I've, you I've acting? Got, like I've this? honestly, I've got no time for for that just ego and that sense of like overwhelming fucking sense of self that's just oh i am this and yeah it's pathetic you know like us as a group of guys that bleeds are just the most humble folk for for that reason we've experienced this stuff we've been shafted by folk and it's just not how we like to conduct ourselves and we we do that at our shows you know our crew are given the you know the crew are running the tour essentially and we're, we're a part of it with them so we're like you know if you need to say something, then you go and do it. I manage the band, so I'm like, if you need anything from me, come and tell me, and then I'll help you get that done or whatever, you know. And I, I should always be, you know, to be keep it running smoothly and professionally. That's that's how it should work, you know. I think it's I think it's pathetic when people come in and start throwing the weight of it like that, especially when they're not part of the tour or yeah, part of the, the part of the show in any way. Have you always managed the band? No, no, we um, I started. It's been pretty serious for the last sort of five to six years. Um, and I was probably, I was doing it before then as well, but just wasn't really aware of what I was doing. Whereas now it's more of a, it takes a lot of fucking time <laughs> alongside a full-time job. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, it's been a, it's been a, an interesting learning curve for sure. Yeah. I've been, I've been seeing that more and more with bands too, that are, you know, completely self-managed. And if you do it right, it works at any level. I mean, even the guys from Sabaton, like they're, I mean, they have label and booking and stuff, but they're self-managed as well. well that, I think as long as, see, as long as you get a good booking agent and as long as you've got a label that you work with, you know, and if I, if I didn't have a full-time job, I'd probably release the music myself. I don't want that, don't want nuclear blast to think that I'm going to run away from them. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, obviously there's perks of signing with a label and especially one like Nuclear Blast. That just made sense. Like, but, you know, self-releasing is always an option now in this day and age. Um, and if we've got an agent to help us get out in the road and if you've got your touring crew around you as well, you know, I don't think you need a manager. Yeah. There's obviously doors that that can open as well at a certain level, but you have to be prepared to give away 20% of your gross income half the time. So mm -hmm. uh, if you don't want to do that and you want to learn about it and you want to keep that control, which at the end of the day is the most important thing, control what you can and have eyes on it and don't let anything get past you too much. Um, you know, why would you not? Yeah. I mean, um, the guys from Bloodywood, uh, when I talk to them, you know, they've, they've been blowing up lately too. And they're completely self-run, self-managed. They have no, no team at all, no label, no nothing. And mm. after they started blowing up online recently, I got to know their guitar player. He did an episode of the podcast and we, we talk offline a lot. And he's like, we're starting to get management deals like crazy. But he's like, to be honest, I don't really know anything about this. So I was kind of just helping him out. And he was like, telling me all the offers for management firms they had and the, the deals and the percentages. And he's like, Here's my problem. What is a manager going to do for us that we haven't already we done can. right now? Yeah, that's <laughs> that's it. Yeah. We, we, we get management offers as well. Just last night, somebody emailed me and was like, oh, hey, are you still the manager of the band? Let's talk about your options for the future. And I was like, why the fuck would I talk about that with you? <laughs> like, yeah. that's for me, you know? Like, yeah. And, you know, you, you, straight away you want to go to the roster and you want to see what kind of bands they're working with and who they represent and what doors they could open with there. But then as soon as you see that, you also want to go and ask those bands and be like, is this manager actually good? Like, do you have eyes on this? What's he done? Yeah. What's she done? Like, who's, what's going on here? Like, um, I, I think it is, it's a risky, that's where we've been fucked over the most. Yeah. I'd say it is, it's given that way. And I can't say too much about that stuff. No, here, but, um, yeah, as soon as we started to give away more control, that's when we had issues, and then it took us years to to sort of claw it back from that. Yeah, and that's that's kind of what I was telling Karan too. I was like, you guys have already gotten to where you are now with no management. You're going to be paying somebody fifteen to twenty percent to manage you, and I mean, he made a great point. It's like, what are they going to do for you that you haven't already done for yourself? And you know, even with some of the big management firms. Yeah, it might look good on paper. They represent massive big names, 
But at big firms, there's going to be like 20 different agents. So it's like they may sign you and then give you to somebody that doesn't have any other bands that has like no experience. So and then they're still taking 20 percent from you. Um, But that's that's cool that you guys are so involved. And, you know, you've you've had to have learned a lot over the years because I I looked at a lot of your past tours. I found it so interesting and cool that you've toured with a lot of bands that I think were like it would make sense like i saw back in the day you toured with like all that remains and soil work and miss may i and stuff like that but then i also saw like testament and megadeth and like that's a that's a wide range right there of not only you know styles and stuff but people in the industry so um i just i'm really curious uh, actually about like the megadeth and testament stuff i mean how was it opening for a band like megadeth it's fucking hard work. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah. uh, they they don't have the easiest of crowds, yeah. uh, especially not. We were we were younger and smaller there, and Kennedy had more of a fringe thing going on. Um, it was never extreme, but it was there. Uh, it certainly wasn't a fucking ponytail. So we got some looks, and we got we got some heckles, and we just had folks sort of standing with their fingers up and stuff. But yep. by the end of each set, we'd won over each person in that room. That's awesome. Um, and it was, that was great to see. And we, we fucking love a challenge, you know, in the face of mm-hmm. adversity like that, we were like, fuck you. And we went for it, you know? Yeah. Um, but it was, it was amazing. Uh, that whole experience, obviously touring with Megadeth and, you know, having Dave Mustaine being like, yeah, we chose you guys and sick band and stuff like that is, it was just cool to to hear at the time. Um, yeah. And yeah, Testament. I got to tour with him when uh, Gene Hoagland was was there, so that was big. Yeah. Uh, and you know, just sitting in, in the catering with those guys, and you're just like you're in fucking Dresden or Berlin or something, and you just sit down and have your lunch, and you're talking to like um, Chris Broderick or whatever or Skolnick, and you're just like, this is insane. You know, it's yeah. just it's funny. Though those moments are funny. You don't think about it like that because it is your peers. But then we would get on the bus or whatever after the show, and I'd be like, oh, I just sat and had a beer with Gene Hoagland after the gig tonight talking about double kick technique and stuff and I think I never I never want to lose the those sort of what's the word the um like that excitement when those things happen yeah. like we had it with Lam- Lamb of God a few years ago we did some shows in in Germany together with those guys and again you're just kind of sitting shooting the shit after a show and you're just like we had Randy just come through at the dressing room because he's got Scottish friends that actually live in the town that our singer is from. So he figured out that we were Scottish and he's like, no fucking way, you dudes are Scottish. And he's just <laughs> and we got on with those guys like a fucking house on fire and it's amazing. And I, yeah. I hope, you know, I hope we do some more shows together at some point soon. I'm sure we will. Um, but like that, those kind of moments and then after it, we just get in the van and it's like, you know, then you leave and exchanging emails and phone numbers and stuff and just staying in touch with these guys is, is great. And I, I never want to lose that feeling of this is cool to meet those people that you grew up listening yeah. to and, and uh, develop a friendship because you're no longer just fan and, you know, you know, you're in the crowd and they're there. It's you're on the road together and, and you can build a friendship, which is insanely cool. Yeah. It's, it's very full circle. And, and like, as you just mentioned, a lot of these bands are bands that, you know, when you're younger, you listen to, and that's what I've found in the music industry too, is there are so many of those moments that are so full circle that you get to tour with somebody that you listened to years and years ago that you never thought you might be that close to. And it's, yeah. um, <clears throat> excuse me. I had that moment yesterday, uh, or one of those moments yesterday, I did a podcast episode with, uh, Peter Evers from, uh, the halo effect, who was the bass player for in flames for like 22 right, okay. years. That guy is one of the reasons that I started playing bass in a band when I was a teenager and I got to like sit down and do a podcast episode with him. And there was a moment in my head where I was like, this is just so crazy. Like if, if 13 year old me would have known that I was going to be sitting down to do this with him, like, you know, Mm. and that is, that is one of the coolest things about the music industry. And for, for people that listen to these, like, I think that's, that's cool to know too, is bands and crew guys still get excited about this. It's not like, uh, we, you know, we're not immune to that. that. That's why it's always like an example being, so I live in Brighton now. I can't remember if I said that earlier, but I got back from Manchester yesterday and I was shopping with my girlfriend. And as we walk out the shop, this guy's like, oh, Ali, I'm sorry. I've seen you in Brighton before, but I just wanted to introduce myself and say that I really love your drumming. And I saw you guys a couple of years ago, blah, blah. And I was like, 
he was really nervous. Do you know what I mean? I was yeah. like, man, it's this is a fucking, you know, thanks so much for, for reaching out here and thanks so much for supporting me because, you know, if you're not doing that, we don't really have anything else to do. And it's still the same for, for us. You know, if we see somebody and we're like, holy shit, I'm going to go and introduce myself to that person or, you know, sometimes you don't want to do it because you're like, oh, maybe you know, be frowned upon or whatever. But sometimes you're just like, I really have to go and do this. Like, yeah. uh, I have to say hi to this person. Like, I had it with Vinnie Paul, oh. RIP, uh, many moons ago. And he was standing at the bar of this after party in London uh, with Rob Flynn. And I waited for Rob Flynn to leave Vinnie. And when he was by himself, I went, <laughs> I'm fucking in uh, straight up there and, and got a picture with him and stuff. And he was so nice. But I, I was shaking. I was like, Vinnie, I, I just need to tell you, you're the reason I play drums. Like, uh, but yeah, I just, everyone gets those moments. I think if you if you don't get them anymore, it's it's a bit, you know, it sucks a bit. You want to yeah. stay that excited. You want to be that youthful kind of, you know, we still get giddy before like bigger shows and stuff like that. You still get excited and, and ready for it. And I think all that's part of just being human and being in a band and absolutely loving what you do, you know? Yeah, it's, I, I love that, man. Like you just never use that youthful or never lose that youthful spirit because then it stops yeah. being fun, you know? Like um, Alex Taylor from Malevolence uh, on here recently t was telling me about, uh, they're out on tour with them now, but when we filmed, they hadn't started. They're opening for Architects. And he mm -hmm. was like, dude, this is insane because he goes, our band has just been doing like, you know, we do like hardcore shows at clubs. And he goes, I would have never in a million years thought my band was gonna be playing in an arena. And I was like, so are you nervous? And he's like, fuck yeah. Like, he goes, I know when I get on stage yeah. after a song or two, it's gonna be normal and put on the show and stuff, but it's like, yeah, these these artists. I mean, dude, I've I've worked for some some bigger artists as well. That even when they do like bigger tours or festivals, they still get nervous after thousands of shows played. Like, it's 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 actually kind of cool and humbling to see that when when the person. Oh, definitely, that you were, I. It's, yeah. it's it's nice to see it. I like it. I like it when you see them make mistakes as well. I yeah. saw Thomas Hack make a mistake once. <laughs> I was like, that guy is human. Yes. I, I saw it. There was a crack in the, a wee chink in the armor there. And I was like, he's fucking human. Yeah. It made me feel slightly better about myself. And then they released the new album and I felt terrible again. You know? So like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's actually going back to the, the Twitch stuff that we were talking about. That's why I love so many musicians on Twitch right now, because, you know, you get to see these musicians that thousands and thousands of people listen to. And they hear their out al their perfected albums and stuff like that. And then you see them go on Twitch and you see that human element where they're not going to be perfect all the time. I mean, it's, it's impossible to be perfect. And I've had this conversation with a lot of artists where it's the difference between YouTube and Twitch on YouTube. You get a lot of videos from like YouTube musicians that they've already recorded the song, they've edited it, then they perform a video over it. And what you're watching on a YouTube video is, is perfection. And I have no problem with that. It's good entertainment. But if you go on Twitch and watch a musician, you get to see real time yeah. how they struggle, the, the mistakes that they make, how they adapt. It's really cool. Yeah, definitely. I've got I've got a thing against the kind of really overprocessed drum performance playthrough videos. Um, I always have like everything that I put on my Instagram is just me, no process and no nothing. Everything that you see live from Bleed from Within has never been snapped to grid or you know it's been mixed by all means. You know we make it sound a little bit better because the raw sound can be pretty fucking rough. Yeah. Um, but we mix it and we don't snap things to grid, and it's a very real representation of what we are as a band, an album is overprocessed to shit and it's snapped to grid. That's yeah. the representation that's immortalized there for life. I think YouTube and Twitch, obviously Twitch it happens, but YouTube as well is a chance for you to immortalize your your actual performance should be celebrated there. The performance, not the sort of product of the full yeah. band. Um, so I just don't really agree with it, especially when somebody's like, this is a drum playthrough and this is me playing this song. And I'm like, well, it's not really, is it? You've had a lot of fucking help. Yeah. And then if yeah. you, somebody goes and sees you live and they think, well, it wasn't as good live as it was. I mean, that's, that was always the fear for me. I was like, if I create this false image of myself, then you're just a fucking liar, really. Yeah. <laughs> at heart, you know? Yeah. Somebody's going to see you live and be like, this guy was great on YouTube, but he fucking sucks in real life. Yeah. So. I, I think that helps a lot of young musicians too, because I've, I've seen kids on YouTube, like teenagers, that they watch those super perfected videos 
and they're just like damn i'll never get this good but then it's the equivalent it's the equivalent of like airbrushed fucking models in magazines do you yes. know what I mean? yes wow Striving that's a great that. analogy this is it's the fucking same thing they don't yeah. look like that you know yeah. they're just posed in a way they've got light and they've got a makeup team and then it's touched up afterwards and then it's the exact same with these overproduced sometimes amazing quality um youtube videos like gaska his stuff's insanely the production level's mad and it's 100 percent natural yeah that's what you should be fucking doing and if people hear the little mistakes and the little nuances that make it a live performance, it makes the full thing better. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, I like, um, you see Matt Heafy all the time, man. I mean, even when he's on his bus, he's streaming on Twitch, he's doing vocal takes and you can hear it. Like musicians have on and off days, especially vocalists because of whether it's rest or, or food or drink or whatever, sometimes their voices will be a little different. And you can mm. see that realness from these musicians on Twitch. And I absolutely love that. You know, I had a moment where um, I just re I recently got an electronic drum kit again, because I want to play I want to play at my house. And um, I even though I was a bass player in a band, uh, drums have always been my favorite thing. Like, there's just something about sitting down and just being able to beat the shit out of a set of drums to your favorite music that is just yes. awesome. Yes, it is. So I was going to start doing YouTube videos because I was nervous. I, I had that because of all the other YouTube videos I've seen, I had that in my mind. I was like, I need to have a perfect product to put on YouTube. And then I decided to get me uncomfortable. It's like, I'm just going to set it up and go on Twitch. And it was the first time I had sat on a drum kit in like probably two years and i sucked so bad and here i am in front of like a few hundred people on twitch just fucking up double kick patterns and everything and there was something by the end of it that was so like humbling and cool where i was like you know I, it was real i just made an idiot of myself in front of people on twitch but at least i wasn't trying to fake being better than i am you know well, that's, that's it you know i mean i I've, I, I don't have any um drum professional pro shop playthroughs on youtube yet and i think it's always been for that reason that it was just the quality and standard of stuff that goes up and i'm not even talking about the the fake stuff like just the real stuff as well it's done at such a high standard that i was like can i film this on my iphone and use my cheap ass recording setup and it's got five or six mics can i do that and will it will it punch through will people connect with it or resonate with it and it, every time i'm just like now I'm going to wait. And I've been putting it off and off and off for years and years. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to get some done this year. Finally, I'll get some silosis ones done, some bleach from within ones. And I'll be like, it's there now. Um, but I, I, I think everyone suffers from that. And I think we're, we're made to the social media thing, just about that sort of false perception, everyone sharing their greatest, finest moments. It's it's a hard standard to keep and to maintain. Yeah. Sure. How how is it for you to balance the time between bleed and uh silosis it's never been an issue nice. up, up to this point yeah uh, it's always been good uh, i work closely with the manager of silosis also helps with some of the bleed stuff um and yeah just always let them know the schedule and we just talk about what's going on i think when josh joined architects it was a little bit easier obviously silosis don't do this tour as much now because of that um but yeah never been an issue which yeah. is very lucky that's awesome. So when, because I I knew that you were drumming with Silosis too. When did you when did you first start playing for them? Uh, Two thousand and fifteen, I believe, okay. when I joined officially. Um, and then yeah, we kind of went on our hiatus in two thousand and sixteen, and then in twenty twenty we released, kind of came back with an album, and then played one show, and then the COVID uh, the pandemic happened. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we were one of the last shows, actually. I've got a poster on my wall over there. It's 13th of February, uh, 2020. And it was, I think, like less than a week later um, is when everything locked down and that was it done. Yeah, because you guys you guys started locking down a little before we did. We, uh, Our last show was March 13th. I don't, right, I'll probably okay. never forget that just because of how weird of a vibe it was. Like, Oh, it was insane. We went to, um, me and one of the guys from Silosis, actually, um, Bailey, we went to a show in London. I think it was decapitated and our friends ingested and stuff. And they were in the middle of a tour, but that was the tour just got cancelled that night. Damn. So we'd been in London for a meeting and then we went over to see this gig. And if we just went into the dressing room with, and everyone was there, just like such a weird atmosphere. Yeah. 
like this is cancelled we're all going home like what the fuck's going on and like everybody in the room there was like four or five bands on the package and just other industry folk there and everyone was like this is really weird like how yeah. long is this going to last and at the time it was like it'll be done in a couple of weeks yep and, <laughs> yep. and how wrong we were oh my yeah. god dude i remember well we we were in the middle of a tour too and we were doing a show in las vegas and when we loaded in for that that show it was just business as usual. It was normal. Nobody was talking about anything. And then I remember halfway through the day, one of my crew guys was like, have you seen this in the news about this like virus thing? And I was like, nope, don't care, whatever. Like I really, I brushed it off. I was like, I'm working. I don't give a shit about anything else. And then um, two days later after the show, we were supposed to fly to Australia for an Australian leg. And then as the day kept going, it's like management was there. And I was like, mm, that's weird that management's here. And then we put on the show. It was completely normal. And the second the show ended, management was like, hey, we want to get the whole band and crew on stage once everybody clears out and talk to everybody. And we're like, okay. They're like, hey, so there's this weird shit going on. Uh, we're not going to fly to Australia because we don't want to risk it. But we're going to go home right now for during the time that we were supposed to be in Australia. And then we'll be back out in 10 days to finish this tour. And we're like, okay. And then I remember once we loaded out and we walked to the hotel room because it was the um, the venue that we were playing in was in a hotel in in Vegas. They had they had people stationed at the elevators with disinfectants and wipes, wiping down everything every time somebody touched something. And I was like, they weren't there earlier in the day. And I'm like, this is weird. And then by the time yeah. we got home, management had given us the option. They're like. We'll, we'll let anybody that wants to fly, fly. But if you want to take the bus home, the buses are just going to deadhead back to Nashville. So I took the bus and by a day and a half drive, by the time we got back, it was, it was lockdown. I was like, this is insane. You know? And then that yeah, it, weeks... it, it seemed to, it seemed to come out of nowhere, man. It was, it was pretty wild. And I think because it had been going on and getting spoke about for a couple of months and it was just like this virus, this thing. And then when it happened, it was, it was so fast and sudden. And then you were in the house and you couldn't move. And yeah. Yeah, wild. wild. Yeah, yeah, and it's and like you said, man, it it turned into, hey, we're gonna be home for two weeks, and then it was like, hey, we're gonna stay home for another two months, and it's like, hey, tours for the rest of the year canceled, and I was like, well, I gotta find something else to do because this is not gonna pay yeah. my bills. <laughs> like, yeah. Um. So one of one of the last things before we we start wrapping up that you've you've mentioned a couple times, and I think this is kind of important for people to realize is you are talking about all the guys in the band have full-time jobs away from yes. music. Um, I, I I really enjoy when bands bring that up, not in the sense of like, oh, I like when bands say they have full-time jobs, but to the outside person from the music industry, um, I think they see any band get signed and they just assume that those bands are loaded and they have money and all this stuff. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, well. <laughs> and it's it, even for a band like you guys that are blowing up right now, you still have to work like outside of the music to basically support the music and your livelihood as well. Yeah, um, that's, I mean, that's it. I mean, we've, we're in this position because of, you know, when we first started, we threw everything at the band and it just, it didn't work that first time round for us. We hit the, the odds were stacked against us basically as it is with, with everyone, I guess, but we've been dealt a couple of particularly shit hands, um, again, stuff that you can't really talk about for legal reasons. You know, it's that bad, for sure. sort of thing. Um, but yeah, we uh, we knew that we weren't going to stop doing this. So each member, kind of in their own way, kind of started doing things that would help keep the band going. Um, I think one of the first people to kind of go out on his own like that was Gunze, the guitar player. So he started doing like lyric videos and digital animation stuff, motion graphics for for bands, and now he's got his own company and. Davey, the bass player, and Kennedy, the singer, all work with Gunze as part of this thing. So the visuals that you see on our TV screens and stuff, that's all built by Gunze and Kennedy. Oh, and cool. they, they make all the visuals for that. Gunze's done stuff for, he was in the new Ramstein film. He made stuff there. He's no done, um, did all the visuals for Bring Me Horizon on their last arena tour. So like, he's doing really well with that stuff. Um, it took me a while to find something that I could do with my sort of skill set, which was just managerial skills really outside yeah. of drumming. So I was doing some session work for a bit. Um, 
I was teaching for a while. Uh, I worked a plethora of jobs, man, bars. I worked in a fucking car wash, uh, all sorts of stuff. And then I joined a company called Allotment Productions that specialise in e-commerce and merch fulfilment, merch production, basically for bands. I've been there for, I don't know, three or four years now. And Stephen, our guitar player, records bands. That's his full-time job. Yeah. So he's always got bands in it. our rehearsal space that the band basically pays for and it's, it's his kind of studio and space and all the gears there and he helps track the album so like everything has its each role kind of helps feed back into the band and keep the band helps sustain the band and helps us move forwards um but we've never the band's never made enough money for five people to take a full-time wage and yeah you know build a future and, and a life alongside it you know uh, and i think it's a sign of the times it's a sign of what this band in particular have been through um and it's, I think it's important for young musicians and aspiring uh, artists to to have many strings to your bow, essentially. And mm-hmm. I think to, I had an interview a couple of weeks ago where I was talking about this idea of like passion and blindly following something with passion, but not being grounded and thinking about the real life aspects and, uh, you know, think about what could happen if this went wrong. Think about what could happen if that went wrong and approach it with that. Because if you go blind into it and something goes wrong, you could be fucked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sort yeah. of thing. And uh, we, we found that out the hard way, but we're in a good position now. Yeah. I mean, that's, if I'm being honest, that's, that's why I started working for bands because when I was younger, I was in a band and we didn't make any money ever. We were idiots. We thought that, we could start booking tours and get on tour packages and we'd make killer money and stuff like that and sign a record deal and be able to buy houses. And we were just young and dumb. Like we had no other plan. We thought that the band would bring in money and it was as simple as that. And, you know, we all started. I mean, I think, I think there's something, there's something to be said there though. That's not to say like you shouldn't not do that and you shouldn't go for it and you shouldn't, you know, we had like an old mate of ours and Scott Patterson show SP. Yeah. Uh, he's now a, a merchandise he sells merch for bands but Patterson works at the top now he's like he, architect's go-to guy to bring me horizon he's done fucking sting he's done all this shit and Patterson we were the first ever tour that he did and at the time he was working night shift like full time in a supermarket and we asked him to come on this tour and he went fuck it and he, ju- he jumped yeah. into it you know and it worked out for him because he said yes to every single thing and he was there and he was good and he was focused so Patterson there it worked for him and I know bands that have gone into it have been like fucking let's go let's gun it and they hit that thing they tap into that and they have the brand and they have the music they have the full package and it works yeah and in those cases it's amazing and I'm so proud of the bands and people that we know that have been able to go and achieve that but I think to be in the position that we're in, I just wouldn't recommend it for anyone anymore. Yeah. And, and I as, as, as the scene gets more saturated and it's harder to break through, yeah. be grounded, be realistic and seek advice of people that have done it, you know? Yeah. And, and I didn't mean any of that in the sense of like dissuading anybody to say, don't be in a band. Like, that's not what I'm no, saying. No, no, that should not be what, yeah. no. Because I'll tell you right now, I from, from the age of 18 to 21, I was in a band, broke all the time, but I wouldn't trade that for anything. I had some of the best times and some of the most learning experiences I've, I've ever had in my entire life. And I, I loved it. And it got me to where I am now. I realized that my passion was working for bands. There's something about me. I, I actually like that sense of being like relied upon. I like working on other people's gear and then letting them go up and just put on a badass show. Like that's my thing. I love it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and everybody's situations are different too, you know. I've I've seen bands that I've toured with that blew up massively right off their first single and then years later just tank hard and they don't yeah. know how to deal with it in that case because they were so used to, you know, right away, first album, first single, it clicked, they're huge, they're living larger than life and then they have to adapt to, you know, what a lot of other people have to, yeah. <laughs> to adapt to, you know. Real, real life. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly it's like yeah. i i always joke about this but my my band way back in the day uh we did a couple package tours with uh trapped i don't know if you remember them or not uh um, with a t yeah they did yeah their big song yeah. is headstrong um, i can't remember the songs but don't listen to them <laughs> i i joke i mean but um they were they were really good to us when we toured with them but off of their very first single 
first album release, they were in semis and multiple buses. And then when we toured with them, they had had such a decline that they had to go down to a 15 passenger van and a trailer. And they did not know how to handle it because they were so used to being huge. It's like, we always joke as roadies that like everybody in the touring music industry should have to do like a year of touring in a van and trailer with just like five other dudes. Yeah. (laughs) I say the same thing about just to have a better society. I think everybody should work in a bar for six months. Yes, dude. Or a bar drive or a, a fucking, drive, drive a taxi or work in a bar, and yep. society would just be a better place. There would be less assholes in the world if people, yeah. if, if, if everyone had to do that, the world would be a better place. You'd have less egos in music if everybody had to go and do a van tour for a fucking <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah man a hundred a hundred dollars a show or whatever and fucking yeah sleep in the van uh, i think the world's music industry would be a better place there for sure yeah i mean it's it's all about you know the, i i feel as though that initial grind is in my opinion very important because you learn how to rough it out on the road so that when you if your band does get bigger you can appreciate those little things like i remember the first bus tour i ever got on as a roadie like i i was so mind blown i was so excited because i was like man I've been in a van for six years with five other smelly, sweaty dudes every night. Yeah, we had had that moment at the end of last year where, and even for this European tour at the end of this year, we've toured Europe more times than I care to imagine. Our first European tour was in 2007, and that was literally in a, I think that was like a a minibus. Everything was in, it was like 15 seats, but all the gear was in there on the back. (laughs) Yeah. And that's oh, how we man. first. That's how we first went to Europe in two thousand and seven, uh, or two thousand and eight. Two thousand seven was the very first tour we did in the UK, and then I think it was two thousand eight we went to Europe. But we've been going back every year, um, with the exception of the fucking pandemic, of course. And yep. at the end of this year, we get to go back as a headline band with our own bus, and it's the first time since was that seventeen years. That's taken us to get there. And at the yeah. end of last year, we toured the UK and we had a bus. And that, again, that's how, that's the, the slog that's gone yeah. in to get to that point. And we're humble and we're grateful and we're hungrier than we've, we're ever, we've ever been, you know? Yeah. That is that you appreciate it more when you've kind of put in that grind. Uh, and, you know, like just treating the, the bands that are on the bus or whatever and your support bands at shows. I think all of that comes from we've fucking done it and we know mm-hmm. it's hard and... You know, these guys are turning up at the venue a little bit later in the day and they just look fucking tired and you're like, guys, if you want to come in, grab something from the rider or whatever. If you guys are fucked, then take this, X, Y, and Z. If we're getting after show pizza, get another one, give it to the support band or whatever. Like, all those little things, once you've slogged it, you appreciate it a bit more. Yeah, very cool, man. I mean, that's something that those bands will appreciate too because we went through that too. When we were openers, like, if we had a headlining band that was, you know open arms and like, Hey, we get it. Like, you know, we'll take care of you as much as we can. That's very appreciated. So, well, man, I, I appreciate your time a ton. Um, for everybody listening, just as one more reminder, um, bleed from within's new album shrine is coming out on June 3rd, 2022 from nuclear blast. If you're watching this on YouTube, I'll have links in the description of the video where you can go check out pre-orders and all that stuff. Um, I'm excited for you guys, man. I'm excited to hear this full album. Um, you Thank know, you, man. Yeah, and before before I let you go, I always ask this question. For somebody that's in the band and that's an artist and musician, right, right now with a new album coming out, what do you think are some of the best ways that fans can help support your band, whether it's financial or otherwise? Uh, bleedfromwithin.com is the sort of hub of the band so go there and pick up some merch if you can afford it if you can't go and stream it on dsps just tell your mates you know if you're a fan then then shout about it let people know and um looking forward to sharing the new album it's definitely our best work to date and uh yeah i'm just i'm looking forward to the years ahead it's gonna be a good time awesome man well thank you again for being here if you guys wind up in the u.s on tour man and need help with anything even not if it's not on tour just logistics or whatever let me know i'll be happy to help because i still maintain a lot of connections over here with a lot of people um but man 
excited for the new album. I'm very happy to have this conversation with you. I know you're super busy, so I'll let you go. But if there's anything I can ever do to help you or the band out, please do not hesitate to ask. Thanks, man. That was great to chat. Yeah, Lovely. for sure. Well, have a wonderful rest of your evening, and uh, hopefully I'll talk to you soon. Nice one. Take care. See you, man. A big thank you going out to Ali for joining us for that one, man. That was super fun. You know, before we started filming that, he actually told me he was in the middle of doing all of their paperwork for their upcoming dates in Europe. And I know how that goes, man. There's a lot of, you know, paperwork and carnets and equipment and stuff you have to go through. And, you know, that's one of the reasons this one stayed shorter, man. I respect his time. I know that that stuff is a pain in the ass, but we got a lot out of that hour, man. There were some great conversations, some good laughs. I am so excited for this band to be releasing their new album, and I can't wait to see what they do next because I've already done a few reactions to their stuff on Twitch and on YouTube. I'm sure there's probably going to be more, so be on the lookout because we will definitely be checking out more from this band as they release stuff. Now, just as a reminder to everybody watching or listening, their brand new album, Shrine, comes out on June 3rd, 2022 from Nuclear Blast Records. It's their first since signing with the label. If you're watching this on YouTube, I'll throw links in the description of the video where you can go pre-order the album ahead of time, help support the band directly. But if you're listening on Spotify or Apple or Google, there are lots of ways you can check them out. As Ali mentioned in our conversation, you can check out bleedfromwithin.com. That's like their main source of information for all their stuff. Tour dates, merchandise, and all of that good stuff. So definitely go check them out. Social media, everything. Give them a follow. This is a band that you probably don't want to miss live if they're coming to their your area, rather. Um, like I said, I watched their entire Bloodstock performance on YouTube and these guys just bring it hard, man. I mean, it would be really cool to see them. And I'm already looking forward to hopefully when they come to the States one of these days and I can actually go check out a show. But before we wrap up, just as that second reminder, maybe third at this point, I don't even know. Um, this podcast is available on multiple formats. If you want to watch the video and see us have our conversation, you can head over to youtube.com slash tank the tech. I have video forms of all of these podcast episodes, as well as reactions and a lot of other content that you can check out, but it is also available as audio only on Spotify, Google, Apple, and anywhere else that you can listen to podcasts. I wanted to do both because, I mean, a lot of people listen to this on audio. That's how I listen to most of my podcasts because a lot of us are on the go, whether we're going to work or just killing time at other places. So however you want to listen, I've tried to make it available to you. But thank you to all of you guys for checking this out, checking out another episode. We've got a lot coming up still. I still have a ton of episodes I've already filmed with some awesome people if I have my schedule right, which I've already messed up once on this podcast, our next episode, episode 10, is going to feature Mr. Peter Eversh from The Halo Effect, also X in Flames, was their basis for like 20 years. And this one was a very big full circle for me because Peter is one of the reasons I started playing bass when I was a teenager, man. So getting to sit down and talk to him was really cool. And I will admit it's one of those few moments where I have been starstruck sitting down with somebody and talking to them. So be on the lookout for that episode. If you guys want to follow along with other stuff I've got going on, I'm on Twitch streaming from time to time, which you can check out at twitch.tv slash tank the tech. I'm also on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, a bunch of other stuff. And my handle on all of that stuff is at tank the tech. But one more time, thank you to Ali for joining us. Thank you to all of you for listening or watching. And I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Back Lounge Podcast.